Hi, I'm Phil Barantini and this is The Going Rogue Club, the podcast that delves into the careers of film and TV's heavy hitters. Each episode, we'll find out about their journeys and the unconventional way they got there. My guest today is the joint CEO of one of the country's most critically acclaimed independent film companies. He's produced titles such as This Is England, Dead Man's Shoes, Four Lions. Everybody's talking about Jamie. I've known Mark for a couple of years now and we met over the latte. We've stayed in touch ever since and we've, we're working on a couple of projects together. A massive inspiration to me and we literally could have talked for hours and we basically got dragged away from the microphone. We talked about how he started his career, about being laughed out of pitches and the resilience that he gained from that and experiencing the BAFTAs for the first time. Mr. Mark Herbert from Warp Films. Hey, Phil. Welcome, mate. <laughs> how you doing? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for doing this. really appreciate it, No, mate. no, no you problem. You know, I just think this is going to be, you know, helpful for listeners that are, that are sort of, you know, wanting to get into the industry if they want to sort of produce mm-hmm. or, you know, start <clears throat> start out in the industry. And, you know, people who think that they, they have to sort of go through the conventional way, like going to film school or whatever, which is, you know, handy and yeah. people do do that but it's not the only way of doing it you know what i mean it's there's there's there's, there's no rules right no there's no rules in this business um so yeah i mean i think for my first question to you is like what what when did you first think okay this is the industry i want to get into like i want to be in the, the film and tv world i was i was well into my 20s i was in my early 20s actually yeah so, so when like I fi- a couple of years ago <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so basically i, I left I left sixth form, went to went to comprehensive school, did sixth form. Yeah. Did photography. Yeah. I had a really weird mix. I did photography, English, lit, and maths. Right. Because I had no idea. I was I I did all right at all levels and um love love photography, loved art. Mm. And this was a time when people were like, You need to get a more engineering's where you need to go, you're good at maths, you need to do this kind of thing. But I really had this creative side. So I wanted to keep the English and the photography and art and art A level. Yeah. Came out of that, the photography was what I loved the most. I had a brilliant art teacher who said, Mark, stick to photography. You're not very good at painting, but you've got a good eye. Yeah. <laughs> it was great <laughs> advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, um, so, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so left sixth form at 18 and I went on a kibbutz. I went to Israel oh, right. in 1989 and travelled for a year. Wow. Um, because at the time I'd got in to do photography I thought I wanted to be a photojournalist, yeah. to be honest. That was what I loved. Mm. And I went to Israel with me, black and white, stills camera, took loads, because it was like, you know, I went to the West Bank and was taking photographs of... So rather than going to... When I went to Bethlehem, I wasn't worried about Jesus's manger. I was like just taking the things about the polit- politics in right. that time. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And, um, and then second year, and I didn't have much money, you know, and... Mm. Obviously, going to university then, there were grants. What You didn't have to pay like you did now. Mm. But I didn't have any money, so I decided to work for a second year. So I didn't go to uni. So I sort of basically did travelling and worked as a gardener and yeah. a builder for, yeah. uh, for, from 19 to 20. Mm. Uh, and then applied to do photography at Nottingham, Manchester, Sheffield. Uh, I'd grown up in South Yorkshire, yeah. but I'd moved to near Manchester then because my dad changed jobs when I was a teenager. Right, And then... Um, yeah, and, and so basically I went to Sheffield. I was going to do photography with this kind of history of art. And at the same time, they did a film degree. Mm. And I went to this, I went to this, I went to Sheffield, looked around this sort of lane. It was a cool art college. They had a Steam Beck, they had Bolex cameras, they mm. had 
And I was just like, what's this course? And they said, oh, there's only 10 people on this film studies course. Yeah. You can still do your photography. You can do journalism. It was like multi... So I said, can I change courses? Mm. Would that be all right? And the reason I went to Sheffield, by the way, not Nottingham, was I was a Wednesday fan. <laughs> we were doing quite well then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and uh, I got family from there. I loved, you know. Mm. So I kind of went... Uh, and Anita, my wife, you know, she, she'd got into being a nurse. She mm. was studying nursing in Sheffield. Mm. So it kind of made sense for us to go to Sheffield. And I did this film really by accident, did a film degree. But it yeah. was theory. Uh, it, was, <clears throat> right. it wasn't practical. There was a bit of practical then. And over that three years, I never seen a subtitle film until I went to um, and got uh, Bicycle Thieves, the Italian neo mm, realist, yeah, all yeah. these like Battleship Potemkin and all these films that I had no idea about. Yeah. You know, my diet of film was like Jaws and great films. Yeah. You know, going to the ABC in Doncaster on a on a Saturday morning, and um, I just like fell in love. I just fell in love with film. Yeah. No idea. F- making a film, I loved the steam back, the old editing. Yeah. I loved, you know. I used to we used to be able to borrow a Bolex camera, yeah, yeah, for the weekend for nothing. Get some six, 16 and just go and run around and be crazy, make documentaries, right, three minute yeah. docs, yeah, and cut it on a steam deck, yeah, you yeah, know the yeah, old yeah, splice, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it just gave me this love of film. And then coming out of uni, and I think I'd give this advice to anybody mm. now. And I do talks at back at Sheffield, mm. and I also do talks at a few colleges. It's like. When you're coming out, when you're first starting off, if you look at a film credits or a TV credits, there's about 80 to 150 jobs, depending on the size of the production. Yeah. Don't pigeonhole yourself at the start of your career to go in for one of the... the, the I'm going to be a producer or I'm going to be a director or right. I'm going to be a writer. I mean, <clears throat> that ambition should be there, Yeah. but get a foot in the door. Mm. So I just sort of was like, right, I'm going to work as a runner, like a lot of people do, mm. work as a runner. So, yeah, I just sort of like, so I know that's what, so slowly, almost like over that course of five years and of growing up, becoming, going from teenager to adult and just growing up and not being too sensible, but just sort of thinking, oh, right, I quite like this and I'm going to have, I'm going to have a stab. Mm. But my path into it was, was a runner, pop videos. I then went to work to Liverpool on the Richard and Judy morning, this morning really? for a couple of weeks. <coughs> Fred the Wellerman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Remember it well. I did a bit of everything, and then, and then because I did photography, and I was still a good photographer, um, I and there wasn't this work was bitty. Yeah. I worked as a um, I was volunteering at this thing called the Yorkshire Film Commission, which is now Screen Yorkshire. Mm. And at that time, they were building up a location database, um, and the location database was just going around locations and taking photographs, putting them up to attract people to come and shoot their films in Yorkshire. Mm. And Yorkshire's great because, you know, it's from Sheffield. It's got the industry, it's got steelworks, it's got canals, but it's also got your beauty up in the peaks and North Yorkshire. So it was a mm. great thing to do as a volunteer. Mm. And um, and then they gave me a part-time job. Mm. And, you know, uh, so I was getting paid. So I was doing less running. And then totally, this is how random your opportunities need to be and how, how you need to seize an opportunity when they come, mm. is... There was this film called Brassed Off that they were looking for locations, Mark Herman and Steve Abbott, the producer. Mm. And they came into the office. There was only me in there. Said, and started talking to me, this guy, and he said, I want to do this film. It's about Grimethorpe Colliery Band. Uh, he said, will you show us around? So I said, yeah, jump in the car, show them some photographs. Let's go to Grimethorpe. And I grew up in Cunningsborough, which is mm. a mining town 
about three mighty towns along from Grimethorpe. Mm. So I knew, I grew up there, so I knew Doncaster, Barnsley, yeah, all these yeah. areas. And I was into locations. Mm. And I took them around. Um, they, you know, really good. And then they decided to film there. And Mark Herman, the director, said, do you want to come and work on it? Oh, wow. <clears throat> We've got a location manager, but what about being assistant location manager? Because, mm. frankly, the location manager is a bit posh. <laughs> He's from uh, the home counties. He's done, like, Bond and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And he'll get eaten alive yeah. in Barnsley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I just was there. One, because I kind of, he thought I got a good eye. But actually, predominantly because I could walk onto an estate and not be condescending or patronising and yeah. and knew, you know. So so I did brass off. And wow. I didn't actually know really what a location manager was or did. Mm. So six months before, I had no idea I wanted to be a location manager. I was thinking I'll do camera, I'll do a bit of that. Mm. And then I fell into this job because of an opportunity mm. and I loved it. Mm. Absolutely loved it. And then so so... So how did it go from there to, to then, you know, setting up Warp? I mean, you know, did did you did you have like, um, obviously going back, you, you're saying that you know you, you do, you're doing this degree and you you were in in university and stuff. But <clears throat> what were your parents thinking you when you say when you said you you wanted this film course? Because to be fair, they were supportive, right? Um, you know, because they knew I was really into. I had the dark. I had. A, I got rid of my built-in wardrobe and put a dark room in really? it when I was a student. Yeah, and just that. just like they knew I was into reading yeah. and music. You were creative. Creative, yeah. Yeah, yeah, My yeah. dad did my, you know, my dad was, you know, um, he was very, you know, uh, practical, technical yeah. as a person. Um, and, and the, but they were really supportive. Mm. But still, even, even up until about, even until they, you know, my grandparents, up until they passed away, you know, mm. like they would still go, "When are you going to get a proper job?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were great, but they didn't quite know. Yeah, is it is that a real job? What yeah. you get? What, you drive around looking at things when I was yeah. on location manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I remember when I was thinking about it on the way here. I remember once with my granddad when I was working on brass stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, I've got this job. They pay me." And back then, it was about six hundred quid a week. Yeah, which back then was crazy. I'd only ever yeah, earned yeah. like five or an hour. Yeah, and um, I was on six hundred quid a week. And I remember saying to my granddad, I said, yeah, and I get breakfast and I get my lunch <laughs> and I get these things called per diems. And yeah. he's like, what's a per diem? I said, well, I think it's like, it's like they say it's for, like for laundry, but I think it's for drinking. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't I know. That. And he was like, oh, God, that's amazing. You yeah, know, he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. wow. What, they, so glamorous. You, get, you don't have to take your own sandwiches. No, I get... Oh, I love <laughs> that. It was like, just because, yeah, you know, yeah. he's a miner. Unheard of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was beautiful. And um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, there was re really support. Mum and dad were dead supportive, really. Yeah. But, you know, and I'll go into the producing in a bit. My wife was a nurse. Yeah. You know, so we had that, it wasn't a lot of money, but we did have stable income coming in. Mm. She worked at the hospital in Sheffield, Northern General, then the Hallamshire. Yeah. So we did have that, um, you know, so, you know, I could go for a bit of time yeah, yeah, between yeah. jobs because back then as a freelancer, you needed to. But I think, mm. and back then it was different, you know, a lot of a lot of crew were more London-based. Yeah, of course. I used to, I had a mate who lived in London, cameraman, mm. worked on Brastoff, um, 
who let me use his address. So it made it feel like I was a Londoner. Oh, <laughs> I had right. an 0207 number. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Uh, and um, and I guess the sort of... And then, and then really got on with Mark Herman. Loved, you know, Brastoff went well. He then... I went back to the, the Yorkshire Film Commission. Mm. Uh, well, back, went back working there. Yeah, went back yeah. working there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think six weeks prep, six weeks shoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Mark's second film was... Little voice, right? And um, he came back and went, "Will you be the location manager on this one, not the assistant location manager?" Wow! And I was like, "Do you know Scarborough? Yeah, I've been holiday there loads. My uncle's got a pub up there. Yeah, I know it wow. very well." Yeah. Um, and that was that. And I think on that, being the location manager, worked with a great producer called Liz Carlson. Number nine films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And Mark Herman again had a great relationship with Mark and the designer. Uh, who uh, you know? I just realised it's it's weird now. Location manager is a really interesting job. Mm. You're creative. Yeah. You're finding locations, and back then, a location can save a lot of money on a low budget film. You know, of course, you yeah. get the right location that yeah. doesn't need a lot of. But you have to be a little bit creative. Mm. And back then, it was boards. No digital. There's no Google Maps. Yeah, you just have to yeah. get in your car. Of course, yeah. And drive somewhere. Yeah. And take photographs. Mount them on a board. And then go and see the director at his house and show him the board. board. Wow. And, but what I also loved about the location managing was getting on with people. So then mm. talking to somebody, whether it was a pub owner or a cafe owner or a house owner or mm. a British Rail, whatever it was, you had to talk to them about negotiating. So you got used to negotiating. Mm. You got used to dealing with, and then also you're the first and last on set. Of course, yeah, yeah. So you got to see. How really the makings of something. Mm. You got to know the sparks. You got to know the because they were parking up first. Yeah, you'd be dealing with. You got to know the actors because you might be finding them a green room. Mm. So over the course, I did a few films. Did some bit in Manchester. I got became very close to Pete Postlethwaite. It was a bit of a mentor to me. Oh actually. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Met him on Brastoff. Got on really well with him because mm. I I introduced him to some people like because I was growing up in a mining town. So you know yeah, I took yeah. him to the miners' welfare. Amazing. When he was doing that. And he became, and I did this thing called Among Giants that Pete was in, mm. a Sheffield thing. And then I did um, I did Butterfly Collectors, which was shot in Manchester. Yeah. Uh, with Pete. And he was great. And it was just this, Location Managers was a really interesting way of really accelerated, even though I'd done a film degree, I yeah. really didn't know about making a film. That's the thing. I hear that a lot, you know what I mean? Because I, I didn't go to film school myself, so... I came up with the acting route, mm-hmm. but but I do hear that a lot. I mean, obviously, it's great film school. I don't want to diss film schools, but no. they teach you a certain amount of, you know, they teach you the, the basics, let's say. Yeah. But I always say you've got to be in it. Yes. You know what I mean? You've got to be, because it's, it's an ever-changing industry as well. And, yeah. like, you know, you've got to be sort of in the mix to be able to understand it properly. Mm. 100%. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> one week on a set mm. is three years. Oh, but- of, yeah. of of like I say, mine was film theory. You know, like appreciating film. Mm, mm. You know, I think that's the you know doing a bit of editing on a Steinbeck was a really good thing about how things are put together because yeah. it's quite physical. Yeah, it's a physical process rather than a like editing on Final Cut now. Digital, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, quite yeah. physical, and you've yeah. got to be quite. But I'd say, and then the location managing was interesting. What really, so there's that was a good grounding, and then the probably the best thing about it was. Um, and you know this as a director. I might be working on something for a couple of months. Mm. 
you pick up a director who pro- most of the time either li- lived in London or Dublin or wherever they were from. Mm. You pick him up at Leeds Station or wherever, I think. And you take him on a recce for three days. Yeah. And in between showing them locations, you're like a taxi driver. Yeah. And you become, they don't, they might be with the producer or they might be talking to the producer or might be talking to an, an, an investor or whatever. Mm. And it was just ears then. Yeah, yeah. So those hours between locations, oh my God, what a grounding for listening. Mm. Seeing a good producer and also seeing some not so great yeah, producers. Yeah. And I saw films that were brilliant that got taken away from the, you know, almost like the vision taken away, stripped right. away. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm driving and you're <clears> invisible <throat> when you're driving. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. And they're on the phone and I just would listen. I'd just be a sponge listening, listening wow. for, for years, you know. Mm. So I just kind of went, I just picked up this... Almost like God. Why? Why are they doing that? Why are they? Why are they? You know, because I, you know, <laughs> worked on some big, bigger films as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was after Full Monty, and you know, there was a couple of times where everybody wanted to find the next Full Monty. Yeah. So there was this big influx of American money mm. into films to find the next Full Monty because yeah. it took millions. Of course, yeah. So you became this studio was on top of this film, and they'd be like throwing. I remember doing this film Blow Dry about hairdressers in Huddersfield mm. with Alan Rickman and. And they put Josh Hartnett in it, you know, the American actor, with, mm, the, yeah, with yeah, the worst yeah. Yorkshire accent I've ever heard. <laughs> and I remember the directors, I remember some of the conversations, and I was thinking, wow, you know, really? You know, almost being forced to put people in so they could have a bigger American audience. Of course, but what yeah. it did was not make the film very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was a real good grounding for me to say, yeah. right? And then, and then alongside that, while I was doing the, the show Butterfly Collectors, my wife got pregnant with our first Evie. Yeah. 24 now. Wow, yeah. 99 she was born mm. and as a location manager you are away a lot and yeah. so I decided that I was gonna try and move into production uh, producing mm. I thought I'm just gonna give this a go yeah because I don't want to be be away you know so I'm, I just thought I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a production company amazing <laughs> uh did that come with with that come with like fear oh god yeah, yeah. massive imposter syndrome of course and yeah fear yeah, and yeah. stuff it was funny you know everybody I talked about this. I was in Australia a few weeks ago, talking to a writer, and said, "Back then, everybody who was producing or in production was Simon or Sophie." That's yeah. what she was saying. <laughs> there wasn't many of us who went to a comp. And grew yeah, up, you know, yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I think for location managing, I kind of got this. You know, I kind of tended to get the films that were a bit rough. Yeah. So I could go to. I'd be happy to go to Hattersley in Manchester or Salford. Back then, we did some yeah. stuff, you know, and not get. You know, not get run out of town. Really. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, I was a bit streetwise. Yeah, yeah. So I knew, you know, if you come in there, going look how much money we've, look at our jackets and walkie talkies, you're going to get. You're yeah, gonna, of course, know. yeah. So who you get as security and all that. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it was really. So when my daughter was born, I just thought I'm going to be, be a producer. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to try. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what did you, I just stopped location managing then? So what I did it? was I'd do the odd commercial to keep yeah. a little bit of money coming in. Of course, in. yeah. This is when my wife's. Like we really we, we we lived on my wife's wages. Yeah. Oh, that was the real, real, you know, that meant we could, you know, pay the rent. And, mm. uh, when we, yeah, we got a house, we bought a house, but it was only thirty grand back. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, mad. yeah. Anyway, um, so so yeah, so little terraced house in Sheffield, and and um, and what was interesting was I could also do budgets. I'd learned how to do budgets and schedules, so right. I would do budgets and schedules for people. Mm. And I've met a producer called John Rushton, um, who'd produced the Royal Family, 
it was a line produced on the Royal Family. Mm. He'd done a, come up through the BBC, and we just sort of set up as a partnership. Yeah, this is pre-warp, right? A little office in Sheffield. Uh, and actually, what we ended up doing was becoming producers for hire, right? But that's how Phoenix Nights, when I produced Phoenix Nights, that's how that came about because I'd worked with Peter, and this mm. is how random stuff is. Peter K had yeah. worked. Uh, he had a part in Butterfly Collectors. He was a park keeper, I seem to remember. Really? I remember chatting to him on the back of the bus and he was making, you know, it was funny. And um, and then also the first thing I did with this John Rushton as producers was this thing with Caroline Hearn, mm. which was a documentary in India with her and Craig Cash. And I was line producer on that. It was Granada, but for the BBC. Mm. And we took Caroline Hearn and Craig Cash to Rajasthan. Wow. Uh, it was to do with... Uh, curing blindness because mm. Caroline had cataracts mm -hmm. and Caroline's agent was Caroline's agent uh, Phil McIntyre was Peter Kay's agent and they were looking for a producer after the, that Peter Kay thing to do Phoenix Nights mm. and to be fair you know P they took a punt on me and John and because I grew up in working men's clubs oh, and God, I think he was frustrated that he didn't want to try and go this is what you know explaining it to someone who didn't understand didn't that understand. culture yeah but to be fair it was a real punt because I was you know, I was in my early 30s. Mm. Um, and I'd not produced before. Yeah. You know, and I was suddenly doing a six-part series. Because, you know, and what was great, you know, but I just knew, and uh, you know, if when Peter, Dave, Neil were explaining character, I was like, yeah, they do I exist. Know I, I know them. I know them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I was sat with a half a shandy at the back of the Miners' Welfare yeah, since yeah, the age yeah. of five. Yeah. <laughs> with the yeah. granddad, Halifax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... And yeah, so it was, uh, so I did, we, we became, you know, but we weren't, it wasn't a production company. It, we were like paid as a producer. Right. But then So would, both, would you both do it together or would you? We'd do it together, yeah, because yeah. he was really good. He was much better at budgets. Right. And, and, but, and we did a film at the same time. We did a film, we co like helped this Swedish film that was shooting in the UK doing the logistics. Right. So we were more logistics, mm. practical. And then Phoenix Nights, I, we were doing that. So John stayed on set on this film. Uh, and I would, I moved to Manchester. I got a flat in Manchester and yeah. did Phoenix Nights. That we shot in the, we did all the interiors at the Bonded Warehouse. We were talking about yeah, this before, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. where you first. Yeah, yeah. That's where I, the, the Granada Studios tour. Yeah. Where I first got into it. Like yeah. I just remember seeing all that stuff and being like, this is incredible, it's magic. Yeah. I want to do this. What I want to yeah. do. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, so so that's where that's where you shot Phoenix Night. So we did Phoenix Night. We did the club <laughs> interior. Yeah. The room. Uh, but then the exterior was in Bolton right. and, and the function room. But we had the main, the bar and a few of the offices we built at the Bonded Warehouse. Right, yeah. And then we shot the other one in Farnsworth, the exterior. Right. Did that. Obviously, you know, that became really successful. Iconic. Iconic. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah. I knew it. Yeah, I mean, God, I've never laughed as much on set. I bet, yeah. That. I bet you took ages to film. Oh, yeah, just laughed. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But weirdly, and then at the same time, and this is how, this is... This goes back to that randomness, I think, you're trying to get this podcast. So, mm. at the same time, I used to play football in Sheffield. Mm. Always played 11-a-side Sunday pub football. Yeah. And Warp Records, my lad who ran a load of the Warp lads and DJs from Sheffield, right. we played on a Tuesday night. And then we set up a football team that I kind of ran. Not, didn't man, you know, like, but yeah. did the logistics, because I'm an organiser. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I'm the one who organises stuff. Yeah. And we just had this football team and we go, used to go and drink in the Washington, this pub in Sheffield on a Tuesday night. And and I lived in this terrace house and in my backyard, 
backed onto like yeah, you know, I've shared backyards with yeah. Coronation Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, opposite uh, the backyard was Ro- Rob Mitchell, who set up Walk Records. Right. He was the founder with Steve Beckett, um, and they set up this Walk Records. And me and Rob used to go mountain biking together and swimming and football and drinking and mm. festivals and snowboarding and that kind of stuff that you do in your twenties. And, mm. and at this time, Sheffield was for electronic music was amazing. Mm. You know, we had great clubs. Warp were in Sheffield, uh, Rob ran Warp, and um, and he had this crazy. They they did the Chris Cunningham videos. Do you remember the yeah, yeah, Come to yeah, Daddy? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, right, blew people away. Yeah, they were doing soundtracks. So they had their foot in a little bit of they dipped the toes into the film world. Mm. The Marvin Callas soundtrack for Liam Ramsey film. They did Blue Jam, the Chris Morris, mm. uh, right, the music for it. Right, right. Uh, and so they so Rob had this. Rob and Steve had this amazing business plan, and I helped Rob. Because we literally backyards, and yeah. I go around and play PlayStation with him, doing a bit of FIFA, whatever it was that yeah, day, yeah, yeah. 90, 90, 98, 99, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and um, and he just asked my advice on this business plan. Like literally, I'm doing this thing, and it was the what it was to was to make short films profitable, like as in sell them on DVD. Right. Yeah. So to make short films, release them on DVD, because uh, they released Come to Daddy on the VHS, and it sold like thirty thousand units. Wow. Chris Cunningham, and they had loads of talent that was that drawn to them, and I helped mm. them out. Uh, I was looking for my next producing gig, mm. the cook, you know, we as a producer for hire. That's after Phoenix Nights. That's after Phoenix yeah. Nights, yeah. So this is like literally it's out, but it's not. We yeah. finished it, but we've not. It's not been on television, so it hadn't. Yeah. And then also Peter was went back into writing mm. the second series, mm. and um, and and then Rob's track. I mean, you know, Rob got uh, diagnosed with cancer and didn't didn't last very long. Oh my god! And it was tragic, and um, and then during his really organising his funeral arrangements, mm. and he'd re- oh by the way he'd raised hundred and fifty grand from Nesta as a launch pad for this business plan, right? And then and then me and Steve, I didn't know Steve as well, the other co-founder, and but we I helped just with because I lived in Sheffield and mm. Rob had moved to London. I helped them. Obviously devastated. He got two kids and mm. and 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 um, Kev mate who ran. It was the manager of Walk Records, uh, who I used to go snowboarding with, play football with, and Steve. I just helped them arrange Rob's funeral. Yeah, it was really busy. You no, know, just logistics of Rob's funeral because it was yeah. huge. You, you know, it was like hundreds in Sheffield right, turned yeah. up, and um, I mean, Steve got to know each other in this arrangements for it, and it weirdly, sort of, just after his at the wet, you know, after the wake, we went back to my house at the kitchen table, mm. had a few drinks, and. So what I'm going to do with this film company? And we just like after a few drinks, I said, "Well, I'll do it." Wow! Because <clears throat> it was, I think, at that time, it was like I've I've lost my business partner. What they're doing with a record label? Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, I produce. I've been just produced this. Thing. You know, I, I help you with show. the business plan. <laughs> I love Warp. Yeah. I want to stay in Sheffield. Um, why don't? And they they raised this 150 grand, and it was to do two, two short films. Yeah. I said, "Well, I'll do it. Um, but I want to be part. I want I want to be part of it. Yeah." We shook hands. Oh my god, that's it. That was it. Oh my god, that was crazy. Yeah, that's unbelievable, and that's the start of War Films. Well, yeah, Robert. To be fair, Robert, the vision for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't what it. It wasn't. You know, it had ambition, but it was really to do two short films: a Chris yeah. Cunningham one, and potentially a Lynn Ramsey or a Chris Morris. And then see how it goes from there. And see how it goes. But it was very much about you taking the punk attitude they had, which I loved. Yeah. Because they revolutionised electronic music, bedroom yeah, artists, and yeah. uh, you know, like this little company in, above a 
DJ shop in Sheffield became yeah. international, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I love that ambition that Rob had and vision. Mm. And really just took on the nuts and bolts, you know, and I'd yeah. be in Sheffield working out, working from my, um, my house and then I got, they had a, their record office and moved to Kentish Town, so I'd go down there two days a week, mm. sleep on Kev's mattress. And uh, I guess I couldn't afford a hotel. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah. And, uh, and that was it, yeah. And so what, what, what um, was, the, was the record company still going as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, so it was they two, were doing two, great. Two separate things and then... Two, yeah, two separate things. Rob, it was with Steve. Mm. Um, and then, you know, so we, and then we made this short film, Chris Morris short film, uh, My Wrongs, mm. that Paddy Considine was in. Mm. Uh, Chris had written this hilarious short. He directed it. How long was it? Sorry? How long was the, the short? Uh, 13 minutes. Oh, length, yeah. one three, 13. 13, Right, yeah. okay. That's a Phil big budget for... Oh, yeah. Did you, so no, that wasn't the full 150. Oh, we did, okay, we also okay, did okay, a Chris okay. Cunningham crazy thing called Rubber Johnny. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. Which uh, was a kind of hybrid sort of... Uh, we saw it on DVD, did great, great. It was an Aphex yeah. kind of... Uh, right, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mental. Yeah, Rubber Johnny yeah. on YouTube. I'm going <laughs> to look it up, I'll look it up. And um, so, yeah, so it wasn't all that. But, but weirdly, I raised a bit of money from Film 4. Right. Robin Gutch at the time was running Film 4, uh, the lower budget arm of it. Yeah. Um, and they invested in this film, and then this film went and won a, won a BAFTA. Bloody hell. Um, I worked like, for a year, a year, well, just over a year, my fee was four grand, so I was still relying on my wife's yeah, nursing yeah, wages. Yeah. But it would, you know, it was a bit of a, it was a really good calling card. And Chris Morris, I mean, Chris Morris. Yeah, yeah of course. Geez, I mean, course. it wasn't like stepping in with somebody. It was, he'd already done. Yeah. Day to day and that, yeah. and um, and it won a BAFTA, and then, and this is about season opportunities. Just literally the morning after the BAFTAs, I uh, set up a meeting with Film Four. They Tessa Ross had taken over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this time, they'd moved back to. It was a different vision for it, and yeah. um, she was like, you know, I had a meeting with her. Let us know what you want to do. Really interested back then in in regional mm. companies. Right. You know, you're not, you're not the usual producers we get in here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I did think of changing my name to Mark with a C at one point. <laughs> Mark Herbert. Yeah, Herbert. <laughs> Herbert. So, um, sound more exotic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I still might. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really cool. And um, yeah, and Paddy, and this is the this is how again this is how random it is, and this is how plans change. Mm. I have you have an idea. We always had weirdly. I always love doing business plans. I love doing forward thinking, you know, and yeah, like yeah. And still doing them now. Mm. But you be you've got to be able to veer off them. Of course, yeah. It's a bit like skip. You got to go off piece down again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when something arises. Yeah, of course, yeah. Because certain things weren't in that business plan. Certain things weren't in my career path. Mm. I didn't think I was going to sit with Steve just after Rob's funeral and shake hands. No, of course. And. And, and has nothing's ever been signed still? Uh, no, 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 no. Wow, I no. love I that. I mean, obviously we did. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah, I became part it. of it, and you know, and then we raised a bit more money. I got a first look deal with Film 4 mm. on the back of the BAFTA. And um, well, it was kind of not on the back. It was, so weirdly, and this is going to sound bonkers, because this leading on to Dead Man's Shoes. Yeah, yeah. Which is our first feature, mm. my first feature as a producer, mm. and Warp's first feature film. Mm. And that came about just on the on the end. Like, so got to know Paddy Considine. Yeah, he was in this Chris Morris short. Mm -hmm. 
he he was my guest at the BAFTAs. Uh, my wife was working, so he was my guest. Who Paddy? We, Paddy, Paddy, Paddy was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh no, because shot. Chris didn't go because he he's not into that kind of stuff. Right, it doesn't do doesn't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, so me and Paddy went, and um, and Paddy had obviously worked with Shane on Romeo Brass. They yeah. grew up together. They were really good mates. Went to college together. We're in a band together, and mm. and Paddy and um, and Shane were close. And I think Shane had just come off the back of a. Jane had just come off the back, the back of this, um, what he would call an experience. He'd, he'd worked with different producers on each thing, and and he'd not had a. He felt, excuse, he felt that his method, he felt that his style, style and method of how he dealt those early films and shorts, yeah, uh, <clears throat> were taken slightly taken away. And Paddy said, "You should meet Shane." And mm. I think Paddy then said to Shane, "Oh, you should meet this dude. He's only up the road. He's grew up on an estate like us, you know." Yeah. Um, he's like one of us, mm. you know. He's, I'm, I think I'm three, a couple of years older than them both. Mm. Uh, so same cultural references. Yeah, yeah. They, they were in uh, Burton on Trent, Nottingham, and I'd been it, sort of South Yorkshire, Sheffield, and mm. uh, he introduced me to Shane, and uh, I met Shane weirdly in London because uh, he was down here, I was down here doing something. So we met, had a drink. This is in February. Mm. And in May, we were on set on Dead Man's Shoes. Oh, my God. So he'd written that? No. Nope. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, wow. And this goes back to that story I was telling you about being a being an observer of producers in a mm. car as a location manager. I just was like, the key message, and this what records will get at this, is support the artist. Yeah. Enable the artist. Mm. No, not have, a, not have a house style. So be be, yeah. be bespoke and yeah. do enable the vision, the director, the right whatever, to get their vision onto yeah. film. Basically, yeah. that was always it. So my approach with Chris Morris and Shane is very different because they're mm. different people. Mm. But it was all about enabling. And Shane had just—I went to see these short films. Weird, I went to see. This, it, it was, it, it was, he was living on the farm. I think his house had been done up, and he was living on a farm in Burton on Trent with his in-laws, and I went to see him, and he said, I hear you do short films on DVD with Warp, and I said, mm. yep, yeah. and I saw these shorts that him and Paddy had made. Yeah. I said, how long did that take? Oh, we just did that. We had, took a day to shoot and edited it the day after. And I was like, that's some of the best shorts. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Then, yeah. Well, how long did it take you to write it? He went, no, we just made it up as we went along. Oh, right. I was like, what, really? And Paddy was amazing. I mean, like, yeah, literally yeah. put some teeth and a wig on and the way he yeah, went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just Shane. Shane's on camera. He's on camera, yeah. With with a mic on the camera. And he showed me five, six, seven short films. I was like, these are brilliant. Mm. So why don't you do this? Why don't you? He said, well, you know, when you get more money and you get other investors, you have cranes and you have yeah. art departments <clears throat> and designers. I said, well, I said, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So why don't you, you know, why don't we do a film like that? Well, who will back it? I was like, well, Tessa's pretty cool. Oh, my God. She loves you. And then Peter Carlton, who now I've um, yeah, worked yeah. with, I'm partner, yeah. partner with. Yeah. Peter Carlton was running a fund then called uh, EM Media mm. out of Nottingham, who'd funded some of Shane's. It was a regional fund. Right. He'd set it up, helped set it up. And, you know, he knew Shane from back in the day when he was doing small, you know, small time and 24-7 and yeah, Ro yeah. Romeo Brass. Yeah. All <laughs> films I adored. By the mm. way, you know, yeah. I, I loved them. I knew Rob loved them. You know, yeah, yeah. 
before Rob passed, he's like, Shane's great, you know. Right. There was a few filmmakers he was like, these are these are the kind of talent what we should end up working with. Yeah. I wish he could have seen being with us on that yeah, journey. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, and uh, and yeah, so we we um, yeah, we just had this crazy idea of doing this film, and and it started off as a comedy. So I pitched the comedy. Yeah. But what was amazing, I've got to take my hat off to three people now: Tessa Ross at Film Four, mm. Peter Carlton, <laughs> became worked with now for ten years yeah, after yeah. we left Film Four, and Will Clark from Optimum Releasing, it became Studio Canal. Right. Um, he said he, he said he loves Shane, he loves Paddy. He'll give us a theatrical release. Wow. On this comedy called The Skull. <laughs> that I was pitching in March. In March mm. to film in May, because Paddy was going <clears> off to do a <throat> film in, in America. Wow. And I remember the dates. It's 7th of May we started shooting, and, the, and my birthday's on the 6th. So I've, you know, right. weirdly remember, remember the shoot day really clearly. What year was that? Two th- it's the 21st anniversary. Coming oh, up. Yeah. wow. So 21 years ago. Yeah. Bloody hell. Two, yeah. I don't, I don't even 2002. Want to, 2002. So anyway, we... 2003. 2002, when we shot it, 2003. Oh, okay, I think, when released. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I'll have to check. I can check IMDb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> it's all a blur. So, uh, but anyway, we did this thing and we raised... Peter put some money up, first yeah. person. Tessa put some money up. Will said he'll release it. I raised three quarter, uh, 726 grand, if yeah. you remember it, for a... 18 day shoot and then this is where chain they did rehearsals we cast it in manchester right for the gang yeah 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 you know stuart wolford and yeah, bell yeah. and all that and we actually cast three of the gang mm. over at granada wow. and um and so we were doing this kind of kind of vigilante book like comic book superhero mm. kind of almost deadpool style weirdly right, right. very low budget yeah and Paddy and Shane were like, that's just not quite well. And then something that happened, you know, they, they they brought some stuff up about the past and and everything. And uh, and you know, a week and a half before we were about to shoot, is Paddy, uh, they went, Mark, I've got to sit down. <laughs> the comedy you've pitched. Oh, my God. It's now a bit darker. Wow. But, they, you know, and I was like, cracky. And, it, you know, but trusted it. You know, you trusted yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Steve Beckett, who was then now business partners with it, well, you know, he was like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And, Brilliantly, Tessa was like, well, you know, it's not, not the biggest investment, you know. And right. I know Shane, they'd signed up to it being improvised and workshopped. And, yeah. And um, and they backed it. Oh, my God. And literally, it was like, right, what we're going to do is like, Shane, I don't want people hanging around. I don't want to be waiting for lights and rigs and yeah. dollies and da-da-da. I just want to be handheld. I brought Danny Cohen on, brilliant DOP, who'd shot the Chris Morris. This is how incestuous it all is. Mm. He'd just shot the Chris Morris short that won the BAFTA. Right, 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 right. Barry Ryan, who's sort of like was my like literally by my side since the since the short mm. and first person, and we um we kicked it off yeah, uh, and said like what's what size crew should we have? And it was like well, uh, how many can fit in the minibus? That's the size <laughs> of the crew. Yeah, because what we wanted to be able to do is if something wasn't right, yeah, is just get back in the minibus and go M- find be go, mobile, go, yeah. yeah, go somewhere else. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. You're getting hassle off or, or whatever. Yeah. Found my best Running man, gun. yeah, and it was amazing. It was so liberating and 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 brilliantly. Hand, you know, Paddy was amazing and Shane was amazing. We got a great crew. Yeah, one designer, Adam, who I know you're working yeah, with. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, Adam yeah. Tomlinson. Adam is um, incredible. Yeah, incredible. and um, yeah, one makeup. We said right, no, yeah, we're costume person, but just let's keep him in the same clothes, so yeah. we don't have to worry about continuity. Wow, 
And there was no script. There was a structure. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. There was a structure. I know that's how he works, yeah. yeah. There was a linear... No, we knew where we were going to go one day yeah. and where the actors... But, but, but he'd guide them like a cat, you know. So, yeah, that was it. Oh, my God. And literally, like, it's one of the most iconic films, I know. British films out it, there. It's the one I get asked about all the time. And I came to your offices a while ago. Yeah. And you've got the... The ma- is it the mask there? Well, we've, the, got the, we've got the and the full th- the full. We've got, we got a mannequin. It's thing. like going to a to a museum, going to your office, like museum of like all of my favorite films. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's we've unbelievable. Got, we've got the crow we blew up in four lions. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bits of some. Yeah, yeah. No, we like that. Absolutely keep, unbelievable. Keep and so, the so prop. From there, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've got it. It's memorabilia, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's like. Yeah. But I mean, so so from there, then, so what? So what? What happened next? Obviously, you know. Dead Man's Shoes was a massive success. Yeah, um, for everyone involved. Yeah, yeah, it was, and we we had a great time doing it. And then decided we we're going to work together again. Yeah. Um, I moved out of my bedroom. Uh, got some money from Screen Yorkshire. Yeah. Um, who gave me just some seed money to employ Barry? Because one of the problems when you're doing a a single is that. Somebody needs to be delivering the film so you could get on to do your next film. Of course. And so Barry became staff. Mm. Uh, I converted an old garage sort of shed at the back of my house into an office. And uh, we developed This Is England. Wow. And that was next. And that was something that Shane had had. <clears throat> That's, you know, his childhood and it, it yeah. all those memories and stuff like that. Yeah. And how long did that take then from Dead Man's Shoes to then, to then being... And then, as I presume, obviously, film four... By then, um, I got this first look. Tessa had done a yeah. first look. What was really weird is Tessa, Peter was at the media, and uh, Tessa got a new, you know, great vision, and she took Peter on, took her, oh, yeah, took Peter on to cool. film four to be, yeah. and he looked after the sort of not smaller films, but the lower, you know, like, and, but you know, under Tessa's leadership, yeah, had his own kind of slate and autonomy, yeah, yeah, and um, and Tessa, looked, you know, in Dead Man's Shoes, people loved it, and. Um, and yeah, and we were we had a couple, we were going to do something else. We sort of kicked off a few ideas, and you go mm. and workshop. And Shane's great. Then have been able to go. It's not quite right. Yeah, yeah. Weirdly, we developed what you know. We we one of the things that we were looking at doing was this crazy sort of twisted. I guess you call it a sort of a nativity, Mary Joseph set about, and um, mm. but didn't quite get. You know, it wasn't quite working right. Mm. Um, but weirdly. <laughs> Put that part of that, and it becomes the virtues. Like, wow. like yeah. Anyway, um, totally different. You know, same but same principle. Yeah. You know. I suppose. I suppose that the, there's a there's an amazing lesson there for people who are listening, who are like who write scripts or whatever, and they're like, it's not right now, and but it can it can always be brought back off the shelf or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Because you just never know. Some of it's timing. Some of it's time. Yeah, yeah. Some of it is. Some of it's literally, you know. And back then, weirdly, TV wasn't like it is now. Mm. Everyone wanted to do a you know, four channels. Four channels. Budgets were lower. Yeah. Freedom was less. You didn't yeah. have much freedom. And you know, direct. You might have four different directors on four reps. But yeah, now these yeah. authored pieces, like you're doing, and the other people, yeah, uh, they weren't around yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah. So course. we did this is England, and it was based on Shane's. And I went to Cannes, and we did again. I went to Cannes, mm. pitching it with no script, but I had a brilliant uh, pitch deck. Yeah. Before we really knew what I pitched up, which was just cool skinhead photographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had an old-fashioned iPad, click wheel one, with yeah. this kick-ass soundtrack that Shane, had, you know, and I just pitched it with, here's a soundtrack. That's how cool the gang's going to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Shane. 
Wow. And so so Dead Man's Shoes had been out and everything. And so yeah. so yeah. that was another bit of a calling card. Yeah. That's what we've just done. Yeah. This is what we want exactly. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you've got you you proved yourself yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. And we need a bit more money for this. Yeah, yeah. Show yeah. that we don't need a script. We'll give you a script, but yeah. Famously, Shane wrote a great script. You know, Shane worked on this script, and um, uh, but it's always a guide. Yeah, he really does. He's really master masterful in those in yeah, workshops yeah, yeah. and change. And when he's casting, they become. Even on the day when he, when you're yeah. filming things, oh, yeah, the whole totally. storylines yeah. can change, right? Well, basically, I handed the script into, to, and it was sixty pages long. I said sixty pages long because it said the final act. It said it's gonna it's gonna go here, but it will change. <laughs> that was the final act. Oh, uh, I but love it. this is where you get execs that are good. Yeah. Peter, well, you, I yeah. think you took, Will like, Clark, all the people who invested in it. Yeah. And weirdly, Dead Man's Shoes has sold well in Australia. You know, so I pieced that together a little bit more with a bit more. Um, yeah. So we got people who would love, you know. Uh, you know, Shane had a clear vision for it. Uh, again, it wasn't massive amount of money. Mm. At one point, we were going to film in Grimsby because I'd, I'd, the year that I took off before I was at film school, I, I, one of the jobs I had, and I had it during summers, was delivering fridge parts in a transit van. Mm. And the Grimsby docks was one of my locations. Yeah. And that place is like a film set. Yeah, yeah. So, weirdly, at one point, if I could only raise, it was 2.3, but if I could only raise mm. one, mm. you never know with a film. Yeah. The safety net was would shoot it like Dead Man's Shoe style in Grimsby Docks, right? From midday when the dock when when it was empty, wow. You know. Um. So yeah. So we did that. Uh, it was a bit longer, six week shoot, mm. longer casting process, and that really exploded. That was like oh yeah. I mean Toronto and yeah, premiere and <clears throat> it won the BAFTA. I know yeah uh, yeah, and that really that really helped mm. launch. No no Dead Man's Shoes was the was like iconic, yeah. but internationally that kind of did bigger. Won lots of festivals, won awards yeah. internationally, and topped off with a BAFTA yeah. given to us by Sylvester Stallone, which wow. was like, I still pinch myself when I think about back to that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're up against like, we're up against like Bourne Ultimatum and Harry yeah. Potter and these big films, and this is England, wasn't it? It was like, wow, it's this unbelievable. Is crazy. And that was a real, um, that just that's just kind of gave us that. And it took it did well at the box office mm, here mm. and did great on DVD. Yeah. So it just meant that we were suddenly investable as yeah. a you know, for people financing our films, mm. they were getting returns. You yeah, know? yeah. And once course. that happens and you go over that million box office, you yeah. then doors start to open that were yeah. that were not open before. Yeah. And then what happened what came next then? So then um and then yeah, so we we carried on producing for Shane and then mm. And then weirdly, Barry was full time. I brought Mary Burke in, and um, and this is how. Are you still in the shed? Uh, yeah, just uh, in the shed for this is England. But then towards the end, because Libby came on board, Libby, um, Mary was in London at the London office. Mm. But we only had the shed was too small, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, three, three desks, and then we moved to near where we are now, back yeah. in. The, just above the showroom mm. workstation, and low budget films then were quite still, you know, they were weird. They weren't as low as they are now. Yeah, because you were still often shooting on film. Yep. Post production hadn't gone where you could, you know, we'd. Not everyone was using Final Cut and mm. editing on Max. They were still having to get an offline in Soho and pay yeah, Soho. Yeah, yeah. I call it strawberry tax. You know, when you go somewhere and they give you sparkling water with. <laughs> Their own label bottles and strawberries. <laughs> I'm like, that's, why? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you pay a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, so 
Peter Carlton teamed me up with Robin Gutch, who weirdly had financed the Chris Morris show, but then went freelance as right. film after film four about putting a low budget slate together. Mm. So the idea was to aggregate costs like you do on a TV series. Mm. So when you go to Panavision or or whoever uh, for your stock or your camera yeah. or your lighting or wherever, mm. you go. I'm going to do six short. I'm going to do six one million pound films mm. as opposed to one. Yeah, you get better deals. So the idea right. was, could we make by 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 raising a fund for six? Mm. Would that become uh, does does that? And it did give mm. us. So it was like kind of like a, a, a the film council set out put it out to tender. I teamed up with Robin because I'd not, I'd never been a kind of commissioner. I just was a producer. I want to make everything. I'd yeah. never had that ability to have projects come in, mm. lots of projects, mm. submissions, and do see what's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got commission experience. Peter was at Film Four. They were a partner. Mm. Uh, brought in Will Clark and Danny at Optimum, mm. who then become Studio Canal. Yeah, they were great, low budget from a Morris Peros to Fahrenheit. Now, you know, yeah. they did This Is England, and yeah, and they partnered. And what we would. And I went to Australia, um, and at the time, I've never been afraid of genre, you mm, know? Mm. Um, like I said, I grew up, I didn't watch a subtitle film until I was in my 20s. Yeah. Um, I, I watched Driller Killer and Death Wish and all those kind of, you know, I got to the video shop and still went to Blockbusters in Sheffield and look at cool covers. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved horror, I loved comedy, and, uh, and, and, and knew that even though Dead Man's Shoes was this beautiful, poetic piece, you know, it mm. was it could be marketed as a kind of revenge thriller, thriller on, yeah. a, on a DVD. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. somebody who didn't know Shane, gotcha. you know, it was like the idea, and This Is England always had a cool poster. Mm. I knew it was going to have a cool, iconic poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The skin and the hair and the fashion yeah. and the music. and So we always thought about, I always had this weird thing of loving posters, because I used to go yeah. to... I used to go to the multiplex by now and my daughter's a bit older and you used mm. to see people literally queuing up and going, what should we see tonight? Yeah. Not like when, you know, I read reviews and... Yeah. But not everyone does. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, what's the tagline? Well, that was cool. Or walking around Blockbuster and seeing who's hiring these films that are kind of real mad genre films yeah. that just become massive. Mm. DVD was a massive thing there. Then, yeah, back yeah, then. yeah. So we had this idea of putting cool filmmakers, first-time filmmakers, and raising money... Raised six million quid to do six short, six one million pound features mm. under the Warpex label, right? And that's how we partnered with Robin. Robin became part of the company. Right. He kind of was MD of that, and we, um, yeah, and we made that. You know, we actually did it. So we made like things like Buddy in the Bull, Paul King's first film, mm-hmm. uh, comedy. He went out to do Paddington. Yeah, we did yeah. Tyrannosaur. Yeah, Paddy's yeah. film, amazing. Kill List. Yeah, amazing. You know, you know, we you know, it's just real cool. Yeah. You know, like, but, you know, genre, but not be afraid of genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And, yeah, and that, so that was sort of, along, and then alongside that, um, Chris had come up with the idea of Four Lions. Yeah. Um, Which was a, it was the hardest thing I've ever put together. Really? Everyone laughed, I mean, yeah. We, you know, if, at that time, politically, don't. Of course, yeah. I remember pitching <clears throat> it at a festival in. Was it a script of that? Yeah, yeah, that, brilliant yeah, yeah. script. Yeah, 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 yeah brilliant yeah, script. Yeah. But comedy about suicide bombers—you get laughed out the room. Wow, yeah. No, st- <laughs> no. Riz wasn't a star then, and you know. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. I mean, it was funny. But yeah. um, it's a fantastic film. But nobody would fund. Nobody would fund it. Wow. Nobody would fund it. So how did you get it made then? P- crazy. It took. I mean, literally, I think I got laughed out of more meetings than that. Like, I went to Sundance. People would like think, "Are you taking the piss?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I pitched it in New York. 
near the Twin Towers, Ground Zero. Oh, God. People were like, no, what are you, this is insensitive, this is this. Oh. And we're like, no, but it'd be funny, it's going to open a debate. It's yeah, yeah. Anyway, they, didn't, they didn't get that. Mm. But once again, Tessa and Peter wow. at Film 4 went, yeah, well, well, we'll kick it off. So that gave us the, what you could, you know, that, the, the cornerstone money. Yeah, yeah. But we still needed a lot more mm. to do it. But it took me, it took ages. We went, we did crowdfunding. Yeah. We did, but in the end we got um, uh, Will Clark. Yeah. Saying, we got a company, Wild Bunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Wild Bunch. Of course, yeah. Mad French company, but do some cool yeah. films. Yeah. They're a uh, sales agent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They yeah. came yeah. up with an MG and, um, right. and some investors that thought the film had to get made. Some mad investors. Oh, They've all made God. the money back. But they, yeah. Yeah. And it went, f- we, ideally it was going to be three mil, but it was under two in the end. Right. Um, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> My God. So I think, like, what, what's, what's, I mean, we could literally talk forever about, about, the, about the film, uh, the list of films you've done uh-huh. on TV, but what has been one of the, the, the biggest highlights to date for you in your career? Good question. So I love, one of the things I love is hiring, bringing people on as a runner, or, or an intern, mm. and they then, 10 years later, they're producing. Yeah. So we've done that with Libby, who's now gone and got her own production company, Duck Soup. Libby Dish yeah, with my yeah, assistant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mary Burke came in, worked part-time in the London office, went on and produced Bunny and the Bull for Warpex, and then went to run the BFI and now produce it. Wow. I love that. I yeah. mean, even though that's not what people... I'd love seeing people yeah. come in, because, you know, I'll, I'll hire people not on the CV... Often, yeah, in those roles, yeah. Obviously, on crew, you know, you need to know people, you know. But I like to give people a step up, yeah. So <clears> I <throat> love that, yeah. Because I, I got a step up back in Brass Off days, yeah. From Mark Herman, yeah. yeah. And you go a bit, you go that extra mile, you know, yeah. and they get and if, providing the talented and it's people skills, you know. I've of had, course, I've yeah. had, I've had people because they worked in a random, you know, they worked at McDonald's when they were a student, and yeah. you think if they can assistant manage that or yeah. Somebody worked at a pub, pubs. I mean, just create or a, a restaurant. You know these. Yeah. No, stressful environments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on what they're doing, but like, yeah. so, so a lot of my job satisfaction comes from having people, both in terms of just freelance crew that have worked on things that you just mm. see them flourish. You know, yeah. first time filmmakers who go and do Bunny in the Bull and then make Paddington, and it's an international massive hit. And Paul's now doing Willy Wonka, and yeah, you know, and, you know, I, I. I, and even if it's not with us, I get a lot of, you know, yeah, a lot of plays. I mean, I'm, what we wanted to do now, that was the first, is like not just launch, do their second, third, fourth films. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or the yeah, film yeah, that yeah. they come back after they've been burnt in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. probably yeah, the most yeah, yeah. likely. I love that. I think I said the Sylvester Stallone BAFTA night was pretty special still. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, I remember going to the Bradford Film Festival before Lions. Mm-hmm. Terry, you know, like... It, Daily Mail was kicking off with the headlines about right. how can this film get made. Right. When, you know, and just going to the Bradford with a, you know, a really mixed audience and, mm. them, you know, them loving it, laughing, yeah, the laughter. Because yeah. it's weird with film. I didn't realize, you know, we've done comedy, but there's not a lot of, like, when you're watching this thing, you don't know if they loved it or not. Because yeah. there's silence and they come out and sometimes they would you know, come out of some of the films that we've made. And, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, Distraught, you know, they can't talk. Yeah. They like it, they don't like it. Whereas yeah, yeah. comedy is amazing because instant they're laughing, yeah, yeah or they're not yeah. laughing, yeah, yeah, it's one or the other, yeah. And it was laughter, wow. So seeing that at Bradford and other, you know, seeing that is great, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, 
the, the, yeah, so the highlights are kind of quite some some of it's quite small and sporadic. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So so the, so those are the highs, and, and I'm sure the highs will still keep coming, obviously. But what what are some of the low points? Um, ugh, low point. I mean, it's an exhausting job sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You do. I have burnt myself out. Mm. Trying to run a company and produce is hard. Yeah. I've come to the end. I've collapsed on the escalator of St Pancras after this is England. Wow. Just because we delivered the last step just before it was on. Yeah. And yeah, I, remember I was you exhausted. Telling me that, yeah. yeah. I just can remember coming around. This old granny's giving me a can of coke. Wow. Um. So, yeah, that's been you know that you, you never know we burnt out until it hits you yeah. like a, uh, you know, it really does hit you. Yeah. Um. Weirdly, the, you know, the pandemic was a bit of a low. We were doing the Jamie mm. film, and we got this big, yeah. Disney, you know, this big thing, and nobody saw it coming. And there was people have had it much, worse, you know, like. But mm. we, we couldn't finish the film. It took us another year to finish the film. Yeah, and, you know, you're sort of working from home trying to finish this film that's not going to go at the cinema anymore because the cinemas aren't open. You know, that was a bit yeah, of a gutter because yeah, yeah. it was proper. I saw that film play just end of February before the pandemic hit in March. Right. And lockdown. I was in. I was in America with test audience, and it was absolutely smashing oh, it in the big screen. Big screen yeah, in San yeah. Diego and in uh, Pasadena and LA, and and thinking, quite this could be massive." Yeah. Um. So that was a bit hard. Yeah. If I'm honest. Um, but that film was was no, was nominated for BAFTA. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean look, you never. You, you just you, yeah. You, you just take, but they're, they're, they're sort of. Yeah, they are some. There are some, you know, like, yeah. and it's. You know, you do get lows when you've worked on something tirelessly and you know it's brilliant and yeah. it's turned down. You know, especially in telly, you know, it's like when people, when somebody new comes into a role or yeah. the head of, somebody changes and suddenly they, you've been, they want to bring their own slate in. And yeah, yeah. And, it's, and to, it's all subjective as well. It's all subjective and you know something's bad, you know, and you, you've worked on something you've not been paid. Yeah. The writer's put everything in yeah. and it's brilliant and the script's brilliant and it's better than most things on telly, but yeah. it doesn't get made. Yeah. I really, I still find that really difficult, if I'm honest. Yeah. I'm I'm quite resilient, mm. but sometimes I just have to go get home, take the dogs for a walk, yeah, yeah, have a word with myself, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that it's not you, yeah. <laughs> you I, that that level that you're at as well, it's like you you getting knockbacks, like knockbacks. That. You do get, yeah. It's like yeah, God. It's like it's it, it is like a, it's like rejection. I'd say I talk about four lions getting laughed out of rooms, but we got it made because mm. in film you can just keep going because there's yeah. a. But in telly, there's only a certain amount of places you can go. Of course. And if it's gone, if no one of those broadcasters or streamers want it, it's dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not dead, mm. but it's... Because people... Things... Like Squid Games was 10 years later. Yeah. You know, there, there are things that come back mm. and get made, get turned down. White Lotus was famously turned down by every... You know, there yeah, are yeah. things like that, mm. but you do... A lot of things don't get made that are, you know are brilliant. They and yeah. And um, I think... I'd say probably... You get, you know, it's probably nine times out of ten you get not back. Yeah, and it's, you know, you've got, it still to, you've hurts. got to be, you've got to be resilient, haven't you, in this game? Yeah, in, yeah. in, in all parts of this game, you know, actors getting knocked back all the time. Yeah. you know, but even yeah. like at your level, even like I, you know, when I was acting, even like casting directors, I was baffled by the idea that casting directors pitch for jobs. Yeah, but now on the other side of it, as a director, <laughs> like you know, you have casting directors that you sort of chat to and you know they write for the job or not yeah. but like back then when i was acting i was like the casting directors you didn't even think of things like that you know what i mean no no but yeah so so finally mate what, what what's coming up what's what's where's you know where's warp what's what's happening what's so next? it's exciting so like i say the pandemic was hard you know jamie took a lot longer you're not in production you yeah. only make money in as a production company when yeah. you're producing yeah so if you take not making stuff so i invested in a lot in development we mm. invested in development 
I'm really excited now. I just met our new creative officer, Emily, yeah, yeah, Chief yeah. Creative Officer Amazing. Emily, who lives in Manchester, and our new head of development, Siobhan. Yeah. So at the back end last year, we realised I've I've always worked hand to mouth. Yeah. And when the pandemic hits, you realise that that's it's. And also, and this is that, but I'm I'm getting I'm in my fifties, early fifties now. Never. Yeah, I know. Um, and um, and you realise you're not invincible, and there is going to come a time, and it's all about relationships and personality. So we decided mm. to go out to investors. Yeah. Thankfully, we got the Channel Fourth Indie Growth Fund invested in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a soft touch investment, but it means that I can bring some really cool people, expand the development team. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in the behind the scenes, as you know, yeah, doing a couple yeah. of things with yourself. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've got the, you know, working some em- like some amazing talent. Yeah, you know, we've got shows with you with BBC and some of the streamers and a yeah, film yeah. and yeah. Um, so it's been great actually to not produce for a while mm-hmm. and really look at the business, get some brilliant people. In. Yeah, got a, four new development people, really diverse mix, yeah. different tastes, different ages, mm-hmm. different backgrounds, and. The slate's really looking good. Yeah. It's probably the most eclectic and exciting and ambitious that it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, that's saying something coming from. Yeah, no, what it you've seriously done. is. It seriously is. It's like TV, you know, a lot of TV in there. Yeah. Uh, not, you know, international, you know, um, but still, you know, we, you know, we tried to boil it down that what's a walk film mean? Yeah. And it's ambitious. It's got lo- authenticity through its roots. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's witty and mm. it's got the big thing is heart. Yeah. So whether it's a tough film, mm. like a, you know, some of this is England's, you know, it can make you laugh, but yeah. it, but it also has got a huge heart yeah. and it's honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're all got that warp DNA. Yeah. But sci-fi, you know, we've got some you know, we, you know, yeah. like not just that sort of, not all, you know, like, like not what you might identify for the first ten years, but the coming up is like, mm. you know, different voices. Yeah. In terms of writers and directors that we're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, a different scale, and what's great, having you know, Emily's only been with us three weeks, and already mm. it's like really shepherd Siobhan's been with us six months and doing some great stuff, yeah, some yeah. amazing stuff behind the scenes. And I've got that solid back room with you know, like so people have been with us from this, you know, for years, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, for the you know, weirdly, I feel now that it's not you know, it's there's, there's enough people that, um. You know, I can swan off, wear a cravat, get a big daft chair. Go and play golf. <laughs> I can play golf. <laughs> I wish, no, no, I mean, it's, you know, I do, weirdly, it's give, weirdly, I think coming out of last weird three years we've all had. Yeah. Um, I'd say I was low, 20, thinking, do I want to do this anymore? Yeah, it's going to be yeah. a struggle. Do I want to be, you know, do I just, why don't I just go and produce? Mm. And I was, you know, and, but, but by getting cool new people in who are excited and excited and working with, New talent, yeah. or or not, or, or established talent, but I've not worked with before. Mm. I kind of feel like I got my mojo back in the yeah. last six months. You know, that's amazing, man. You know, so yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. There'll be some things. I've got this brilliant. We, we're actually, yeah, unfortunately, as you know, in telly, you can't say too much until they're kind of all everything yeah. signed and on the dotted line. Yeah. But we've got some some new talent stuff for the Beeb that's coming up. We've got an yeah. amazing show. Uh, it's just stunning, really original. That's that 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 we're doing with the with the BBC soon. We've got things mm. in development with Sky. We've got things in with the streamers. Yeah, yeah. We've got you know we've got uh, four partners, six partners. Yeah, uh, working with Australian directors and you know yeah. So uh, so yeah, I think it's um, amazing. But 
like buses, they're all going to be show. Well, they're, they're all likely going to start shooting at the name start next year. Oh my god! <laughs> How many Mark Herberts can you? Clone? No, I've got. That's that's the great thing, <laughs> Peter it. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Good producers and Emily. You know, it, yeah. what, it's not just me and Peter. It's not me. It was always me for the first ten years. Me and Peter and Robin, and yeah. Now I've got a team of people that can that can just do. Yeah, I trust hundred percent. You know, yeah. and I've met a lot of them as well. They just like. Like yourself, you know, normal people, like just yeah. really, just like, and that, and that's the thing about this industry is like you sort of have a, a, a preconceived idea about what the people at the top are, like yourself, yeah. but you know, people like you, it's not, it's yeah. not, the, it's it, yes, I suppose it's not the norm from back in the day, but now there's like you know, it's just just normal people. Oh yeah, and what the way that you've come up, up the the well, you know in in the in the ranks is it, just it is, and yeah. it's testament to the people that the. the you look at the Oscars and the BAFTAs, it's testament to people mm. now that are in those positions of power. Yeah. Because I was one of the few people that went to state school. Yeah. My mum worked in a chemist and a, she was hardworking. With, you know, like, came, mm. like, worked in the Asher Nephew office, you know, proper hardworking, you know, family yeah. group in a, but in a mining town and went to sort of comp. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And we, like, back then, because I had to put, you know, you know, I thought about changing my name to Mark with a C and I'm not even joking. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I worried about my accent sometimes. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and it's really interesting now that it is still, it's still, there's still barriers there. Don't get me wrong. It's still sort of privilege does help some way, but yeah. there are more and more people investing in voices mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. have not from privilege. And I think it's, you know, with diverse voices yeah. at the top mm. and long may it continue. We just need absolutely. more of us, don't we? Are there, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Well, mate, it's been an absolute honour to talk to you, mate. Honestly. Thank you. Have a yeah, yeah, It's been it's really, really good catching up and... yeah. Nice one. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Mark with a C. Mark (laughs) Herbert with a C. (laughs) Lovely.